Hello, happy people, and welcome to Office ADHD. Welcome, everybody, to Office ADHD. I am so happy to introduce everyone to Steve Vincent. Steve is a poet and a spiritual teacher who works with to help people overcome their challenges and live their dharma. Welcome, Steve. Hey, Jenna. Thanks. And uh, welcome, everyone. It's um, a pleasure to be here. And um, yeah, I look forward to sharing with you over the next little while. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so excited. One of the main reasons that I'm just so excited is because a lot of people with ADHD really struggle with depression and anxiety and just the ability to, to really accept themselves for who they are and where they are. And I'm so excited to have you help with that. And one of the first questions I wanted to ask is, is what does living your dharma mean? What is that? Mm, it's a really good question. The word Dharma, it comes from the Sanskrit language and there are multiple interpretations of, of that word. My, my interpretation of it, so if, if I go just to the word itself, Dharma may, can be interpreted as or translated as righteousness or, or merit or duty governing your conduct and, and ethical conduct. And so, it, so your Dharma is to follow your ethical or righteous path if you like now that doesn't mean that oh i have to be a nice girl and a nice boy it's not saying that at all i guess the for me the 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 most concrete example is is that um, if i'm really artistic and an artist and yet i spend most of my time being an accountant and i really hate my life because i'm an accountant being an accountant might pay my bills, but it's not my dharma. It's not my righteous path. It's not my um, my reason for being on the earth. My reason for being on the earth is to be an artist. And so this is where a lot of people, I believe, become frustrated and, and self-critical and um, all of those things because we aren't following our righteous path or the path that we're supposed to be on. You know, our dharma, what we are following is the way the world has told us we have to be, be an accountant, be a, a, a whatever it might be. So does that make sense? Oh, that's beautiful. And that's amazing. I'm. That's one of the major things that I know I've been really trying to help people see through this channel is to be your kind of be your authentic self and to, um, you know, live your skills, live your yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's just a matter of well, I'm resigning as an accountant now and <laughs> go, going and you know going and living under a tree and, and doing wood carvings yeah. that I sell for twenty cents. You know, we, we we still have to exist in you know this world where we've got bills to pay, etc., etc., etc. But to me, that's part of the challenge of life is to find out well, what is my true calling here. What what is it? What is my dharma? What's my righteous path? What am I meant to be doing in this world? And, you know, I, to give you a little bit of my perspective on that, you know, I grew up in, you know, a strict Catholic family, um, you know, and I was given the model of if you work hard at school and achieve really well, you go to university, get a really good job, then you're set up for life, you get the gold watch and everything will be happy. Now, I followed that because I, I thought that was my programming and I thought that was the right thing to do. But all that eventually did was lead me down, I guess, a path of unhappiness because I wasn't following my calling. You know, and I spent the first 20 years of my working life as a, a high school teacher. 
and as I'm a, I'm, I'm a very good teacher, but it wasn't my true calling. And so I think that's part of the life's challenge for every person is to work out, figure out what it, what your calling is. If you're living your calling, if you're living your dharma, more power to you. But I mean, I know that wasn't the case for me and I know that's not the case for a lot of people. And does that kind of change for some people as they go through life that, you know, they're doing one thing and this is their calling and then maybe their calling changes as they go through or adapts? I think so. Have you seen that? I think it does. Yes, absolutely. And and it's almost like in some ways we almost have to go through some experiences to get to that calling. You know, now that's not for everyone and it's, it's, it's difficult, Jenna, to make blanket statements because everyone's circumstances are so different and there are so many... Um, threads to to you know to all of our lives um but I, I think that's a really accurate statement and i was gonna ask too i was able to just kind of just barely even be able to dip my toe into a lot of the work that you've done and i wanted to ask what does what is shadow work i saw that on some of your pages and what is mm. why is that important yeah <laughs> this is this is quite a deep topic right because and this is this is not my this is not my stuff but the the famous psychologist Carl Jung he I think he said it best and he was one of the people to really research this he says that everyone carries a shadow and the less it is embodied in the individual's conscious life the blacker and denser it is he said at all accounts it forms an unconscious snag thwarting our most well-meant intentions that's a really interesting thing an unconscious snag thwarting our most well-meant intentions so if you feel like in your life there's something holding you back some kind of glass ceiling something that just isn't working out for you there's a good chance that there's stuff going on in your shadow and and let me explain the shadow a little bit more so there are two parts to me like there are like there is to everyone and and the the part of me that i want to show the world jenna is oh look here's steve he's he's quite articulate he can hold a conversation he can you know he's a a happy successful guy he has four children he lives near the beach everything is fine that's the the side i want to show the world but my shadow side behind all of that that i don't want to show the world is that gee whiz i'm kind of insecure I'm kind of um, jealous of other people who are more successful than me. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a petty, I'm not very nice person at times. I'm, um, I'm impatient. I'm, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone who who doesn't like being told no. I have all of these other dark things that I don't want to show the world, and so that's my shadow side. And every single person, as Carl Jung says actually has that light and that dark that shadow side and why i believe it's important to understand what's in your shadow and and love and own what's in your shadow is that if we are only projecting out into the world one side of us the bright side then we're actually ignoring slash denying one the other part of ourselves and so we, we aren't united we aren't whole going through life if we are denying our shadow side i mean i understand why we do it right who wants to admit yeah. that they're jealous that they're petty that they um don't like other people that they um you know they want to win all the time or that they're ultra competitive you know all of those those things are not very <laughs> nice about ourselves we to be 
to be the the nice guy, the nice girl, the good husband, the good father, the good daughter, the good son, the good friends. We hide all of that crap, right? And we squash it down. And that's what Carl Jung was saying. He said, the less it is embodied in the individual's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. So my one of the things I, I talk with people a lot is, well, gee, what's hiding in your shadow? You know, is there stuff there that you need to explore? You know, and, and I'll, I'll just give you a really, a really, really basic, simple answer or exa example rather. Um, a number of years ago, I was having a conversation in the morning with my wife. We sit out in the back and we have a coffee and talk about life and whatever. And um, one of my programs was to be the dutiful father, dutiful husband. And so I had to pretend all of those things were okay and and you know i was okay in in those roles and one morning um you know she said to me oh, how are you feeling today and i went yeah not bad and i sort of stopped halfway through because i wasn't feeling good or not bad i was feeling crappy you know i was i was grumpy i i said you know what i'm sick of pretending that everything's okay i, I feel like crap this morning i feel really angry i feel really bitter and it was it sounds really silly that, you know, I was a 40-something-year-old man, that, but I could finally admit to someone close to me that I wasn't feeling as I they wanted me to feel, but I could actually express that, no, I wasn't okay, and I didn't need a reason, and don't freaking talk to me about it because I'm just grumpy right now, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, so I, just, so that, that, I don't, that I don't need shadow. you to fix it. I just, yeah. I just need to express it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm grumpy now, and I don't have a reason for it, and it doesn't mean we're getting a divorce or any of those sorts of things. I'm no. just grumpy now. And and so one of the things I've learned later in life is to is to own those parts. If I do, and, and so here's the thing, when we have a negative emotion or something negative come up, because it feels yucky or bad, we, we try and squash it down or deny it. And yet the less we can do that and accept and even express that, the, I believe the freer that we are. Um, you know, so it's all those things in the shadow self that really can run our life without us knowing it. And I love to, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of um, Dr. David Hawkins in his, his oh, yeah. book, Letting Go, he said, there's nothing unique about any of us when it comes to the shadow and the way we symbolize our emotions. He said, everybody secretly harbors the fear that they are dumb, ugly, unlovable, and a failure. I'm like, wow. And I'm like, oh, thank oh, God. I guess not, so. Yeah, thank God. It's not just me, right? And yet we tend to have this belief that I... I have the, you know, if I feel those things, if I feel like a failure, if I feel dumb, if I feel ugly, if I feel unlovable, oh, I can't have the world see that, so I squash it down. Yet the key thing that Hawkins was saying was that, yes, you feel that, but so does the next person. Yet we have this kind of, I'm just going to put a mask on, right, and everything will be okay because I'm going to pretend that I'm fine. I don't feel like a failure. I don't feel unlovable. I don't feel ugly. I don't feel dumb, yet secretly I do. And until we can accept, and love those parts of ourselves that we hide away, then we aren't really whole. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense that, you know, you just, you have to kind of reach out and give the shadow a hug sometimes or just because the more you try and pretend it's not there, the more it tries to hang on. And I, there you, you know, go. And yeah. I feel like there's yeah. something connecting too when like, you know, how Stephen Hawking said how he said, you know, we all feel that, but, you know, like, cause like, even when you were saying that Steve about, you know, being able to talk to your wife, that there's something very connecting with other individuals when you're able to just say, okay, I can express this. Cause then your wife has that 
freedom to express that back to you when she's not feeling herself uh, her best. Yeah, yeah, correct. Like now, that that sounds like we've never talked, right? But no, yeah. but, but 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 it, it it wasn't that right. It was a moment of just in the there and the now to actually. Oh, I mean, it sounds silly, but have the courage to say no. I'm not okay. Yeah. You know, when, and you think about it too, Jen, when someone says, hey, how are you going? Yeah, everything, I'm great. How are you? You know, no, you know, you just crashed your car. You know, your partner's <laughs> left you. <laughs> My life sucks, man. <laughs> yeah. But, but but no one really says that, right? Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's okay. That's not yeah, the post and, I and put on lie. social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I, uh, look, I'm, I have this love-hate relationship with social media because it, it all as it does is it shows people positive snapshots of everyone else of other people's lives and we think that our lives are way lesser than theirs because right now i'm feeling crappy and here's you out to dinner with all these people or here's you on a beach you know having a nice time and i'm stuck here doing whatever i'm doing like it's a really as much as it's a connecting tool it's also a very dangerous tool for us emotionally i think and psychologically and even spiritually or it can be a dangerous tool because it it forces us into false comparisons i totally agree that you you very much start comparing your worst to their best in a yeah. lot of different ways yeah totally and then so as we've been talking, we've kind of talked about how obviously, you know, you're not just going to suddenly walk out on your job and become begging on the street, but how do you kind of start this journey of, you know, self-love, mm. self-acceptance and, you know, going down where, and obviously everyone's a little different, but you know, what, what kinds of tips for somebody that wants to start on that journey? Yeah. Look, I think the first thing is, is an under, it's about understanding, right? And the first thing to understand is that everyone feels this way. Not everyone admits it, but everyone has this going on in their life. And the reason I know that is because they're human and this is part of the human experience. That's the way as us humans work, right? Everyone feels like this. They may not admit it, but they do. So just a understanding that that's the case. This is this is our humanity here, right? Part of being human in the human experience. So that that's the first thing I think. The, the second thing is really just some, yeah, just some darn brutal honesty, you know. So what masks have you worn in your life? What masks do you wear? You know, the, the dutiful son or daughter, you know, your parents ask you to do something and you do it out of obligation, you know. For example, if the family has a, I don't know, a Sunday night dinner every week and you're expected to go because if you don't go, you're not a good son or daughter. Well, what if you don't feel like going on that Sunday night? You know, you, you turn up anyway. Yeah, so you're just wearing a mask when you do that. It's a, an inventory of your life and, and being okay, having the courage to and being okay with being honest with yourself, not to diminish or put yourself down, but, well, gee whiz, I have worn the mask of the dutiful employee where people just kick me around and I've done everything, or I have worn the mask of the people pleaser where I have to be happy around everyone and, and do jobs for everyone. You know, what masks are you wearing? You know, and I think that's a really important part. That's very uncomfortable though, right? Because yeah. gee, I don't want to admit that I've I've been fake. I don't want to admit that I've allowed people to kick me around, you know, just and I haven't said anything just to keep the peace, if if that's part of, you know, your method of, of survival. I don't want to admit all of those things. So having the courage to actually do that is one of the first major steps. And I think 
to, to be a, a little bit more practical, um, there's probably three things with it. And I, I think that the first step is that awareness, which I was just speaking of, and that awareness becomes, you know, an honesty thing. So be aware of what your programming and your patterns are. The second thing is in the moment, being able to identify that I'm feeling this way and therefore I'm reacting this way. So for example, one of the masks you might wear is the people pleaser, for instance, or the dutiful son or daughter. And then the the next time, you know, mum or dad rings and says, hey, we're having di dinner on Sunday night, let's start half an hour early. And your normal default position would be, yeah, sure, no problem, I'll, I'll see you then. So if you're aware that you wear the mask of the people pleaser, the, the dutiful son or daughter, that's good. But then in the moment, to pause and identify, well, hang on, there's my default position. And then the third thing is to do, I believe, is what I call go manual. So a lot of those programs, a lot of those masks are automatic responses. You know, mum or dad rings up and you go, yeah, sure, no problem. Whereas, you know, you've had a hell of a week, you've got all this stuff on, da-da-da-da-da. Yet if you're able to go manual and identify, well, hang on a minute, mum and dad, that doesn't really suit me to do X, Y, Z now. I can do it here, but not here. That's when you go manual and get out of that subconscious programming or get out of that mask that we wear that's buried in our shadow. To summarize that, you know, everyone feels like that. To be really honest about the masks that you wear and peel them back and to own them and be okay with doing that. But then in the heat of the moment, you know, to have awareness that this is what's going on, one, to identify that you're feeling this way and it's a trigger, and then three, to go manual with it and actually choose a different response other than the one that you've done all of your life. And I guess one of the things, you know, when I talk this through with people, they'll go, well, gee, if, you know, you said that you'd go to mum and dad's dinner and now that you're not, for example, isn't that really selfish? And my answer is yes. And mm -hmm. I said, whose life is it? Is it your mum and dad's life or is it your life? And if you are wearing that mask of the people pleaser or the dutiful son or daughter, as example, and maybe sometimes you need to be a bit more selfish. You know, it's about having different boundaries, putting up different boundaries in place. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And I love the word boundaries. And honestly, just as a parent, I know that I would rather my son was honest with me. I mean, I would rather that they said, you know what, I just, I, I can't do it this week and told me why that I would rather we could have that conversation than for them to just be the dutiful child. Mm. Yeah, but we've all done it, right? We don't want to disappoint our parents. Oh, and, yeah. and again, th this is just one example. It might be disappointing a boss, a spouse, a friend, whatever it is, right? We, we don't. Oh, I will own we, that I have worn this mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, who hasn't, right? Because it's part of the yeah. human experience. And and, and even I think it, it becomes a survival thing from when we are young, right? We don't want to upset our parents, so we go along with things. You know, we don't want to fight with our siblings necessarily, so we go, go along with things, you know? And to be able to have the courage to acknowledge that and look at that and own that and change that is a, it's a beautiful journey. It's not easy, but it's a beautiful journey to take. And I, I always say, well, you're worth it, you know? You're, you're worth that. Oh, I love that. But yes, you're worth identifying your masks. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. As you can tell from the sound of the magic chimes, this is where we're ending part one of the interview with Steve. And I really hope you join us next time because we still have so much to talk about with him. 
That is amazing. So you don't want to miss it. And I'll talk to you next time. I hope you all have an absolutely amazing day. Thanks so much for listening. To learn more about anything we talked about today, head over to officeadhd.com. Remember to like, subscribe, and share. And have a great day. We'll see you next time.